hey, welcome to the Ritz Report. It is Alex Ritz. Today is Thursday, January 27th, 2022. <laughs> I realized, for anybody who listened to Tuesday's show, I realized uh, after the fact that I had said it was 2002. <laughs> some reason in my brain, I went back 20 years for some reason. <laughs> Man, you are one pathetic loser. Yeah, well, we all have our moments, don't we? Don't we all have our moments? What are we talking about today, folks? Today we're talking about the truck convoy, monocle antibodies, COVID-19, because we always have to talk about COVID-19, Supreme Court Justice Breyer, who was blindsided, and the New York City mayor. Uh, but before we get to that stuff, please send me notes of adoration and love or pure hatred to Ritz at RitzReport.com, Ritz at RitzReport.com, or check me on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and get her at RitzReport, at RitzReport. Before we jump into things here, folks, let me just uh, comment on Tuesday. I don't know if anybody saw it, but Tucker was on. Uh, I'm not sorry. Alex Berenson was on Tucker. Anybody who doesn't uh, read Alex Berenson's Substack, I recommend it highly. Uh, it's Alex. I think it's alexberenson.substack.com. But uh, just search for it and you'll find it. And he writes on there about information that he finds from countries around the world. And he went on Tucker and he actually went on Clay and Buck earlier in the day and spoke about the data that he's seeing out of these very, very highly vaccinated countries and how the, the rates of infection and the rates of death are very disturbing based on the number of shots that they have given in these countries. One would think, right, here we are, we've had these vaccines, the rollout, we're in January, so the rollout is about a year. And we are in a far worse place now than we were then in terms of cases. Cases are through the roof. I mean, even in the United States, I think yesterday we had, according to the New York Times, 2,300 deaths or something like that, uh, which is still too high. And you start to ask yourself, okay, a lot of people, I think 95% of the people over 65 have had this shot. And those are, the over 65 is primarily the people that get very ill from COVID. So since they've everybody's had this shot, how is it that we still have the number of cases we do and the number of deaths. Now I understand that Omicron goes right by the vaccine. It goes right by the vaccine. And apparently it goes right by natural infection as well. So if you had Delta or you had the original wild type, whatever you have, may have had in the past, Omicron skirts around it. Okay, so that's fine. But you would think that overall the world now that we've had these vaccines for this much time, just from an abstract 10,000 foot view that the world would be in a better place. And somehow we're not. So Berenson went on these shows and just talked about the data that he's seeing coming out of these countries and said, you know, maybe it's time that we just take a pause. Maybe it's time we take a pause because we have no long-term trials on any of these shots that go beyond two months. Right, Pfizer's trial and the Canadian COVID Care Alliance. I will link to their presentation on the show notes. Pfizer's trial was two months. And at the end of those two months, they thought they, they everything looked so great that they asked everybody in the placebo group if they wanted to come on over and take the shot. So they lost their control group. So we literally have no information on anything about a third shot, a fourth shot, which is what they're doing now in Israel, which is insane. Like you see your cases going through the roof and you see that your ICUs are filling up and you think, I'm just going to continue to do the same thing and expect something different. Why wouldn't they speak to a Geert Vandenbosch or one of these virologists or immunologists around the world who say exactly that we are doing the wrong thing? 
that the approach that we are taking is absolutely wrong, that we should be going in the other direction. But those voices don't get listened to. They don't don't even get a consideration, which to me is, is, is very, very disturbing. Because if you see what you're doing isn't working, bring me everybody that I can talk to, to know what is happening here and what I should consider going, going forward. I mean, that, that's just, to me, that's a logical approach and it's not, it's not happening. So anyway, the, after Berenson was on there, the media like totally freaked out. CNN goes out and says that Rod, um, Rupert Murdoch's, you know, Fox is killing people essentially by spreading misinformation. Now, to be clear, and this is, this is where we get into this back and forth with these idiots that are talking about misinformation. Barrison was on there talking about data and statistics from countries. Data and statistics from countries that are released by those countries on a weekly basis. Ireland, Scotland, England, Iceland, Australia, looking at their data and saying, here's what it says. How is that misinformation? But you have all these idiot fact checkers who are, who are, are not fact checkers. Right? They have an opinion, and that's what they're spewing. Even some of the data that I share sometimes on social media gets flagged as potential misinformation, missing context. Like, really? All I did was quote a number from the CDC, and I get missing context. These people are a bunch of clowns. They're a bunch of clowns, but they're dangerous clowns. I don't know what's going on here, but it's not, it is not, it's very unsettling. It's very upsetting. If you haven't watched the testimony that all the doctors gave at Senator Johnson's, Johnson's hearing, I think it was this past Tuesday, I highly encourage you to watch that. I will link to that as well. Some of the information that the doctors give in there is absolutely awe-inspiring. Absolutely awe-inspiring. You listen to it and you can't believe that you're listening to someone speak about the healthcare system of the United States. But unfortunately, they are and we are living through this hellscape that they've created. I'm going to uh, play one of those clips for you now. Uh, So apparently whistleblowers have been extracting data out of the DOD. And attorney Tom Rents reveals in Senator Johnson's COVID panel what they have found and the things that they have been saying. This is unbelievable. It's about two minutes, two and a half minutes. Just take, take a listen to this. And like I said, I'll link to the whole thing and it's five hours, but I encourage you put it on, you know, one and a half speed and watch it. But listen to Tom Rents. Please tell me, uh, apparently one of the whistleblowers is brave enough to come forward and give a name or I would not have allowed you to come. To yes, talk Senator. So we've got three whistleblowers who have given me permission at this point to share their name. Lieutenant Colonel Dr. Teresa Long, D-O-M-P-H, Dr. Samuel Sigloff and Lieutenant Colonel Dr. Peter Chambers, DO and flight surgeon. All three have, att- have given me this data. I have declarations from all three. This data is under penalty, of, uh, this is under penalty of perjury. We intend to submit this to the courts. Uh, we have substantial data showing that uh, we saw, for example, uh, miscarriages increased by 300% over the five-year average, almost. Uh, we saw almost 300% increase in cancer over the five-year average. Cancer is not being talked about except for by Dr. Ryan Cole. Thank you, doctor. Uh, we saw, this one's amazing, neurological. So f- neurological issues which would affect our pilots. Over a 1,000% increase. A 1,000. Uh, ten, t- 10 times. That's 10 times rate, and obviously that 
eighty-three thousand per year. To, I'm sorry, eighty-two thousand per year to eight hundred and sixty-three thousand in one year. Our soldiers are being experimented on, injured, and sometimes possibly killed. Dr. Corey, thank you so much for your stance on the corruption. That's precisely what it is. They know this, and Senator, uh, when these doctors are attacked, not necessarily the people in this room. I'm give, not giving names. They call me. I'm the one dealing with the medical boards. I'm the one watching the witch hunts. I'm the one fighting them off, and I'm the one telling them where to go. I'm going to keep doing that. Senator, we also have, uh, let me give you this last thing, and then I'll shut up and uh, get out of your way. 9-28-2021, Project Salus weekly report. Project Salus is a defense, defense department initiative where they report and contract, uh, they take all this data that doesn't exist, supposedly, and they give it to the CDC. They're watching these vaccines. On that date, and around that date, I have numerous instances where Fauci and that entire crew were saying, it's a crisis of unvaxxed. It's 99% unvaxxed in the hospital. In Project Salus, in the weekly report, the DOD document says specifically, 71% of new cases are in the fully vaxxed and 60% of hospitalizations are in the fully vaxxed. This is corruption at the highest level. We need investigations. The Secretary of Defense needs investigated. The CDC needs to be investigated. And thank you so much, Senator, for having the courage to stand against these special interests. So, Yeah, there's something very dark. There's something very dark going on here. Very, very dark. The fact that nobody can have any discussions about anything. Social media shuts down everything. I'm waiting for them to even stop allowing me to post this, these podcasts where I just discuss this stuff. Just, just bringing it up. Hey, here, here are the numbers. Here's what's happening. Here's what people are saying. Let's talk about it. Let's have a conversation. You're not allowed to have the conversation. You're not supposed to have the conversation. I look at the 14-day rolling average of the New York Times today. Cases in the U.S. down 21%. Cases down 21%. New deaths up 34%. 2,466. 20, right? So you look at that and you think to yourself, okay, so the deaths are, are trailing the cases, which they always do, right? So we're down 21%. But then I go over the red box summaries on open bears and I have 22,193 dead. 22,193 dead. And you can't talk about it. Nobody wants to talk about it. You, you bring it up, you're an anti-vaxxer. You get shouted down. Nobody wants to hear a thing about what you're saying. That, that gentleman up in Boston, 31 years old, father of two, needed a heart transplant. He's in a Boston hospital. I think I talked about this on Tuesday, but just to reiterate, father of two needs a heart transplant. He's close to getting it. He's not vaccinated. They take him off the list, refuse to give him a heart transplant. That is pure evil. Pure evil. The, the hospital comes out with a statement saying that it's you know required because it's for the safety of everybody. Really? We have all seen Omicron now breaks through any, any efficacy of the one, less than 1% that these quote-unquote vaccines give you, and it gives you no protection from previous infections. So what exactly is the point? And the way that no, knowing the way that the vaccines work, quote unquote, vaccines, knowing how they work, where they instruct your body to make the spike protein, the spike protein in the Japanese biodistribution study that was done a year or so ago, they saw that the spike protein was accumulating in certain parts of the body. And one of those parts was where? 
was the heart, which is why we see all these issues that people are having with their hearts. So if you're on the list for a heart transplant, obviously that means there's something wrong with your heart, right? Otherwise, why would you be on the list? So why am I going to take a vaccine that we know and we have documented evidence of the fact that it impacts the heart? Something really dark, folks. Something really, really dark. I hope we can get past this. I really do. I, uh, each day that goes by, I start to think to myself, like, people are just going to assume that this is the new normal, that every, everything is okay with this. And the, whatever the evil powers are that are behind this, who, what, however this is being driven, even the guys now on Substack, where Berenson writes and a bunch of other really, really good authors collect information and they write about the information that they find and they do really comprehensive work. They are now, whoever these people are that want to shut everybody down so you can't talk about anything, they're going after Substack. They're going after Substack. One guy that I follow, and I don't know how you, how you say his name, it's E-U-G-Y-P-P-I-U-S. I have no idea how to say that. <laughs> but he had a post today, and he writes that his... Uh, little Substack is in the Guardian. And there's this organization called the Center for Countering Digital Hate. And it's, he says here that they appear to be coordinating a broader pressure campaign against Substack for platforming anti-vaccine figures. For the record, none of these people are anti-vaccine figures. They look at the information. They look at the data. They look at what's going on in all of these highly, highly, highly vaccinated countries, and they report on it. That doesn't make you an anti-vaxxer. It makes you somebody who is interested in the data and wants to make an informed decision. But the smears are across the board. And the smears are nonstop. So he writes in this piece, he writes, I'm pleased to announce that my humble blog has been featured in The Guardian alongside of Berenson, Alex Berenson, Dr. Robert Malone, and others. It's an obvious pressure campaign on Substack coordinated with the Washington Post attacks on Alex Berenson. There's a lot of hand-wringing and speculation about earnings and even a direct link to my piece on maximum vaccination, where they complain that I state that vaccines don't suppress case rates at all. And he writes, very out there, as a claim goes, I know. And then he, sh he, he shows a chart here for Germany, daily new confirmed COVID-19 cases per million people. Their previous high for cases was it looks like here in the middle of January. And then it looks like they started to come down. And then toward the end of January, the line literally goes straight up. Literally straight up. So what he's saying in terms of, he says vaccines don't suppress case rates, the chart demonstrates that the vaccines don't suppress case rates. The piece continues, the Center for Countering Digital Hate, whoever heard of this place? the Center for Countering Digital Hate. This is not like a leftist creation where they just like make up, make up organizations out of thin, thin air and like send an email with something on, looks like letterhead on it to make them look like they, they're actually real. Whoever heard of this? An international not-for-profit NGO that seeks to disrupt the architecture of online hate and misinformation. Like that's your goal? When did you start to do this? When did you start to want to police online hate and misinformation? But he says here, they appear to be behind the effort. And he writes from the article, quote, 
Ayman Ahmed, chief executive officer of CCDH, the Center for Countering Digital Hate, said companies like Substack were under no obligation to amplify vaccine skepticism and make money from it. They could say no. This isn't about freedom. This is about profiting from lies, he says. Substack should immediately stop profiting from medical misinformation that can seriously harm its readers. I would <laughs> seriously harm its readers. Again, see, when, when you live in reality, like I do, and if you're listening to this podcast, you probably live in reality too, right? We know that the gender of plastic potatoes doesn't change. We know that plastic potatoes don't have a gender. We know that M&Ms who wear high heels, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't affect you or me. Had this discussion with my wife last night. Like, why did the M&Ms have to change their high heels and, and their go-go boots? I actually thought the go-go boots were kind of cool. But no, now we have to, we have to change it. We have to have something more woke. Something more woke. Like, really? It's M&Ms. Like, who cares? And then another gentleman that I follow, and I'll link to him as well, Naked Emperor, this name I can't say, <laughs> nakedemperor.substack.com. He uh, put out a newsletter today as well saying, why is the narrative changing? And it's all changing in lockstep. And he's right. If you think about it, the narrative, narrative is changing in lockstep. And he, he, like the other gentleman, goes through and he talks about the countries that have really, really high vaccination rates. And he talks about their case rates as of late. So who does he talk about? He talks about Gibraltar, Denmark. Uh, who else does he have here? He's got Italy, Portugal, Belgium. And all of these countries are are easing up on their restrictions in regard to COVID. All of them. They've all decided, they've, they've all at, at one point decided at the same time that they are going to loosen restrictions. That everybody now has the same phrase, we need to learn to live with COVID. Everybody, like, how, how did this happen? All we've had over the last two years, anytime we have case rates that are going through the roof, all we've had is additional restrictions, more lockdowns, more masking, mask me harder, two masks, three masks, wash your hands. Dr. Fauci out there, hey, Alex, you got to wash your hands. You can't just be walking around with filthy hands because if you go to eat your hands sandwich, maybe you get the Rona, right? So all we've heard, anytime, is that you have to do more, do more, do more. Now, you look at the charts that this gentleman has with these different countries, the charts are through the roof. The lines are going straight up in terms of case rates. Some of them, the lines are going straight up in terms of people that are going to the hospital and people that are in the ICU. Yet you're, you're easing restrictions? Now you're easing restrictions? So he goes on here. Uh, and he says that in the UK, in the UK, most COVID restrictions have been removed, including mandatory COVID-19 certification, but venues can choose to use the vaccine pass voluntarily. The health secretary, Saki Javid, said to plan to live with COVID will focus on vaccines, treatment drugs, and testing. He said a plan on how we learn to live with COVID as a country will be published by spring. A plan to learn to live with COVID. So the new narrative, he says, is living with the virus. What this means in reality is mass vaccination has caused mass spikes in cases. This is due to the negative efficacy toward infection. Moreover, hospitalization and death are very low. So those in power are going to take advantage of the situation and claim victory due to the vaccines. 
The real reason will be that Omicron is more mild and that the majority of susceptible individuals who have already been hospitalized or died from a previous variant. This hollow vaccine victory will be used to further the use of vaccine passports. Negative tests will be removed and places and services that require COVID passes will only be accessible to the vaccinated. What he's painting here is a very dark picture of our future. And I tend to think, based on the fact that all of these countries are doing the same thing at the same time, I tend to think that he might be right. He continues here, exemptions will be extremely difficult to acquire and any attempts to bypass the system will result in hefty fines or jail time. In the UK, we already have $10,000 fines for attempting to forge a COVID pass. It is clear that the only way to keep your vaccine passport is by having boosters. Moreover, following Belgium's example, an updated booster will be required within 150 days or five months. So what he's saying is that now that these countries are in lockstep and they're starting to talk about COVID passports, He's saying that you're not going to be able to participate in society really whatsoever unless you have this passport. So if you're unvaccinated, you're out of luck. And once you have the passport, what they're going to do is lessen the time that your passport is valid. So that way you're going to be required to get more shots per year than you otherwise would have. Folks, this is madness and it's evil. And there is some agenda behind it. And I don't know what it is. But something here does not, sm- does not pass the smell test. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. Uh, toward the end of the piece, he says, while we've been rejoicing that restrictions are being loosened, the vaccine passport plan has been progressing beh- behind our backs. Classic diversionary tactics. Once the majority are boosted, rules will be homogenized and cases drop. They will be doubling down on vaccine passports. Why will the majority go along with this? because they're too busy with their everyday life to care, so long as it doesn't affect them. You can already see this with masks. People wear them in empty locations because they're told to, not worn in crowded locations because they're told to. I have to put on my mask to walk to a table in the restaurant, but I can take it off while I'm seated. Why, you ask? Because those are the rules. So, like I said, folks, I think, I hope he's wrong. But watching everything that's going on, it's just too convenient that everybody's got the same idea at the same time about the same thing. It's too convenient. All right, let's move on. Let's talk quickly about the truck convoy in Canada, which is not getting a whole lot of press. Not getting a whole lot of press. For those of you who don't know, there's a truck convoy heading across Canada that is supposed to get to Ottawa on Saturday. Saturday. And currently... There are 50,000 vehicles participating in this convoy. And the Connecticut, I'm sorry, Connecticut, (laughs) Canadian Department of Transportation is doing everything they can to stop and impede this this, uh, convoy. The convoy's fundraiser, they had a thing on uh, GoFundMe. They had raised $5.5 million. And if you go online and just look for the videos, there are people on the sides of the road cheering these truckers like nothing I've ever seen. It's all over Twitter. The Canadian people have risen up to support these truckers, and it is it brings a tear to your eye to watch it. To see this kind of patriotism in a country is inspiring. It, like, when I watch it, it gives me goosebumps. So as of January 15th, Canada required truck divers to be fully vaccinated. 
or face a two-week quarantine when they crossed back into Canada from the U.S. On the 22nd, and this is like, you look at this stuff and you're like, how is this not planned? On the 22nd, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security began requiring non-U.S. individuals to be fully vaccinated and provide proof of vaccination when entering the United States through land ports and ferry terminals at both the U.S.-Mexico and U.S.-Canada borders. So in one week apart, right? Justin Trudeau, hey, whoa, whoa, wee, wee, Justin Trudeau. This guy's a freaking moron. Justin Trudeau up there on the 15th demands that people coming in have the vaccine. A week later, idiot Biden demands that you have the vaccine coming into our country. So you got, you, you got them coming and going. So Trudeau gets out there and says that these truckers, they're a fringe minority. They hold unacceptable views. Unacceptable views, right? They're the riffraff. They're the riffraff. And then he blames, you know, everything that's going on in the world, essentially on COVID. Let's take a quick listen to something he had to say about it. Let's be very clear. The challenges and disruptions to the global supply chain right now are due to COVID-19. And the best way to prevent further disruptions to our supply chains is by making sure that people don't fall sick, by making sure that people are vaccinated. Does Trudeau look at the news? Does he understand the countries in the world with the highest vaccination rates have the highest cases and the highest number of people that are sick? How is this not coordinated? You're not going to tell me he doesn't know that. He has to know that. Or somebody around him has to share that information with him. For him to say this, and it's the same thing in the United States, same thing everywhere. All these people that are continuing to push this narrative of vaccination, when we can see Everybody can see with their own eyes what is happening. Let's listen to what else he said. We've been unequivocal, and we were very clear in the last election, that vaccination is the way through this, whether it's for travelers, whether it's uh, for federal public servants or areas of federal jurisdiction. We are moving forward with the support of the vast majority of Canadians who themselves have done the right thing and gotten vaccinated. Vaccines are how we get back to the things we love. And that's what Canadians are continuing to do. Vaccines are how we get back to what we love. I wonder how the folks in Israel feel about that. So the truckers, they have their goal, right? It's not that they're just driving across the country to go to Ottawa and like honk their horn. Their goal that what they're asking everybody in Canada to do is that in Canada, like in a lot of other places, there are all these restrictions in terms of restaurants, uh, stores that you can go into in Ontario. Apparently, (laughs) from what I've read, if you go into a store, you have to show a vaccine card or proof of Uh, a clean test. And if you, I I think it's, if you don't have the vaccine, only have a test that they will send somebody who works at the store to walk around with you to make sure that you only buy food or things from the pharmacy. So don't think about stopping to get a book. (laughs) Don't you think about that. Don't think about stopping to get a pair of socks. Don't think about any of that food or drugs. That's it. Which is insane. Insane. So the truckers have said to the Canadian businesses on January 29th, we want all of you to just open up 100%, stop doing everything that you're doing. And if the whole country does it at one time, 
wh- what is what is Trudeau supposed to do at that point? Oh, oh, Trudeau, what does he do then? What do I call out the mounted police and send them all to arrest you? Right? If, if the entire country doesn't listen, then there's not really not much that the uh, authorities, quote unquote, can do. So they're supposed to arrive there Saturday. Today, today, Trudeau oh, oh, announces, oh, I, uh, I have been exposed to COVID and uh, I am unable, unable. I have to hide for five days. So the five days cover when the truckers show up. Anybody buy this or do we think that Trudeau's a coward? And doesn't want to, doesn't want to uh, have to deal with, with uh, the truckers. I mean, he's going to have to deal with them, right? Like, I think they're going to shut down the entire city of Ottawa. <laughs> so I'm not sure he has much of a choice. Uh, on other news, before we get out of here, uh, Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer was pushed out by the White House. I know everybody's talking about that he resigned and everything else, but apparently he was more surprised about his resignation than anybody else. <laughs> He hadn't heard a thing about it. And then it was on the news. This is such like, this is such a scummy thing to do. Such a scummy thing to do. Think about it. If you're in the Biden white house and you know that you are heading for a wipeout in November and you know, and you really suspect that you're going to lose both the house and the Senate. So you want to get at least one justice under your belt, which I really don't understand because you're replacing one lib with another lib. So you're not changing the balance on the court. It's essentially going to be the same. So can you imagine deciding that you just announced to the press from the White House, you just leak it, that Breyer is resigning? He doesn't even know. He doesn't even know. I mean, maybe the White House has had some conversations with him, but he has not confirmed, apparently, that he was going to step aside. And then you see it on the news and you're Stephen Breyer like, what are you supposed to do? Go back and say, oh, yeah, the, the president has no idea what he's talking about. I'm going to stay. Listen, not that I have an issue with him going. The dude's 82 years old. That's a whole nother conversation, but 82 years old, it's time to go home and play with your grandkids, your great grandkids. The same with Fauci, 81 years old. The same with uh, Pelosi, who just announced that she's running for reelection. Really? Honey, go home. Not only, like, have, you've created enough of a mess here. You made yourself rich enough. Just go away. But yeah, what a scummy thing for the White House to do, to throw Breyer under the brush like that, just so they could get themselves at a, uh, a Supreme Court nominee. Really, really scummy. Uh, the New York City mayor, so Mayor Eric Adams took office about a month ago, about a month ago. He was elected with the understanding that, you know, the city needed to be cleaned up. And he, as a former police officer, was the man for the job. He was the man for the job. Congratulations, Eric, you got the job. Now, you're a month in, what have you done? He ran on lowering crime. Okay, good. We, we need to lower crime in New York City. Crime's out of control. One month in, he tried to reinstate the plain clothes cop unit that was there before the worst mayor in the history of the world, Bill de Blasio, also known as his real name is Warren Wilhelm. So Warren Wilhelm did away with the plain clothes cop unit because of pressure from BLM. But they were the ones who were getting the majority of the guns off the streets. So now there are guns everywhere. So he wanted to reinstate this unit. And obviously the city council, who are a bunch of socialists, and the state legislature, who are just a bunch of morons, along with the governor, who's a moron, decided that they didn't want to do that. That we can't have this this, um, unit back in place because there were some complaints about it in the past. 
that they were too violent, that they were too rough with some of the some of the perps, the whole thing. So the agreement between the city, the mayor, was that the police that are supposed to be undercover in plain clothes now have to wear a jacket to identify them as police officers. Well, that sort of defeats the entire purpose, doesn't it? If I'm a cop and I see a guy who's wearing a jacket that says NYPD, I know you're NYPD. Otherwise, why would you be wearing that jacket? So that was one strike against Mr. Adams in his effort to clean up New York City. The guy's got his work cut out for him. I gave him that. And he's a little bit of a coward. He could be a little more forceful, right? I mean, the only reason this, this whole thing went down, that he was pushing for the plain clothes unit, was because in the last month, we've had multiple people pushed in front of subway trains. One of them died. We've had uh, two officers killed in the line of duty just in the last week or so. And we had a young girl who got hit in the face with a stray bullet just walking down the street. So that's why the all of a sudden the push for the plain clothes unit. If it was me, if I was mayor, as soon as I got in there, I would have been pushing for the plain clothes unit. And if I got any pushback at, at, at the any instant of any crime, I'd be on TV talking to the citizens of New York City saying, hey, I need your help here. We need to get this, the city back to a place where it's safe. We need to get these people off the street. I need you to support me. I need you to call the city council. I need you to call the state legislature. I need you to call the governor and I need you to pressure them to help me clean up the city. But he didn't do that. He didn't do that. He was too busy out taking selfies and walking around the city, posting stuff on social media, giving speeches. The second thing he wanted to do, which makes a lot of sense, so obviously it's not going to happen, which makes a lot of sense, is they wanted to try... 16 and 17 year olds who had multiple gun offenses in criminal court as opposed to family court. This is not right. This is not some 17 year old kid who, you know, had one stick up with a gun. We're talking kids who have had multiple gun offenses. Let's try them in criminal court. To me, that makes a lot of sense, right? Obviously, these kids are very troubled. You also need it as a deterrent to say to other youngsters, hey, this is probably not the kind of life you want to live. But of course, the city council and the state legislature blocked him on that as well. So New York City's in serious trouble, folks. I know we've talked about that other times on the show, but it is in uh, serious, serious trouble. And I'm hoping that Eric Adams has some success, but he needs to really be forceful. He needs to grow a spine and be forceful and get the the city want the city the people in the city want the city to be cleaned up so he's got them on his side if if he knows how to leverage them if he knows how to activate them for his cause so and obviously before we get out of here what do we have to do we have to do the woke word of the day oh hi i'm chad i'm chad i'm your beta male here at the ritz report today's Woke word of the day is climate justice. Ah, climate justice. And the uh, definition of climate justice is the act of living in mud huts and eating bugs until the cancer of humanity is extinguished and Mother Gia can live on. Ah. <laughs> also, any tax cut can be considered climate justice. <laughs> Uh, and that is your woke word of the day. 
your woke word of the day. And, and folks, last but not least. Hero of the stupid. Hero of the stupid. I have a new clip from Hero of the Stupid, which is Joe Biden, a.k.a. Joe Bite Me, a.k.a. Plugs, whatever you want to call him. And here is the new bite that we have for Biden. But uh, um, I might point out, you're, uh, when I went to Dearborn driving that, uh, you know, uh, was up there. I don't know, man. It's, it, uh, I think the press thought I was crazy. I enjoyed it so much going up and uh, your new EV factory and and uh, that uh, that Hummer. <laughs> but uh, we gotta. It's just, yeah. but you gotta. I mean, the, come on, man. We gotta reassure. Look, come on, my man. my message to everybody I talk to is, um, you know, there's a uh, during World War Two, uh, you know, where Roosevelt this came is up great. with a thing uh, that uh, you know was totally different. There is it. There is it. It's called. He called it the. You know, the World War Two. He had the world the the War Production Board. <laughs> Uh, folks, sorry, Joey. Sorry, Joey. Thanks for playing. Yeah, wrong one. No, not that one. There we go. There he is. President of the United States, everybody. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for playing. Good to see you. <laughs> Don't worry, folks. He's got the nuclear football. There's nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about at all. Nothing. We're good. Thanks for joining me today on the Ritz Report. Please send me notes of adoration and love to Ritz at RitzReport.com or check me on the socials at RitzReport. Please, 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 pretty please share this podcast with all of your friends. Um, it would help uh, grow the show and I would appreciate it greatly. Just on your phone there, click the little share button to friends who have a clue, don't have a clue, doesn't make a difference. Share the show and please, if you can, give me a five-star review, four, three, if you think it's crap, two stars. If you think it's really crap, don't listen anymore. <laughs> uh, but that certainly helps me. Um, and I appreciate you being here. I will be back next Tuesday. Have a wonderful weekend. And uh, if you're in the Northeast, stay warm. I'm heading to Florida. Hubba hubba, duba duba. But I will be back next Tuesday. And as always, as always, let's go, Brandon. Hey.